Welcome to the Get Lusty Podcast. Hello, this is Erica Gregg of Get Lusty for Couples. I'm here with Kelly Shabari, a voluptuous, naturally busty Asian performer, director, producer, all things good, knowledgeable feminist, porn star, just wonderful person all around. And Kelly, thanks so much for being here. No, thank you so much for asking me to be on your show. Awesome. So let's just get started. You are the queen of feminist porn, uh, just doing so many things in this in this area. How did you get into the adult entertainment industry? Well, there's a couple of things. I have been working as a production designer and an art director in mainstream film for about, I don't know, about 10 years. And I've worked on a couple of like kind of big like Hollywood projects during that time. But in 2007, there was a huge writer's strike, and all of the work kind of dried up in town. It was all over the news here in L.A. A lot of Hollywood people moved out of state. A lot of people moved out of the country to do projects like in Canada and New Zealand and Australia. And even the projects that were here in L.A., just kind of, you know, while people were doing ticket lines, there wasn't a lot of work. So that kind of combined with a pretty big breakup that I was going through at the time, got me thinking, okay, well, maybe maybe this is the universe telling me I need to take a break or a sabbatical. And I was speaking with a couple of friends of mine who actually work in mainstream film, but also kind of dabbled in adult as well. And they were like, you should get into porn. And my immediate reaction was, there's no fat girls in porn. Because that's not the kind of stuff that I watch. When I go online or when I was watching even like softcore things on like cable channels like Showtime or HBO, you never saw plus-size people in sex scenes. You know, we're always been kind of like the joke or the comedic factor. And I, you know, I didn't realize that there were magazines out there. You know, my experience with plus-size and sexuality at the time was non-existent. And a lot of it was kind of going to, like, a novelty shop and, and, and finding, like, those postcards that has, like, a very large woman on it. It's kind of definitely like a joke or a gag. And so when I mentioned that to them, they their response was, no, no, there's actually, like, websites that do that and actually make the girls look really, really good and women are beautiful and sexy. And so I said, okay, well, show me those sites because <laughs> I don't believe you. And, and and they showed me a couple of websites, one of which was the Score Group, which is based in Florida. And I tend to refer to them as the visit of plus size because they do really, really nice, high-quality work. And so I said, yeah, you know what, I'll send my pictures in, and if they take me, then yeah, sure, I'll do it. And sent my pictures in, lo and behold, they responded and said, yes, we can come out. So I guess it was kind of a desire to, to take a break from what I was doing at the time, and also kind of a dare. Mm. And did you feel comfortable with it? I mean, did you did the idea of having sex on camera at first and taking your clothes off in front of the camera, that felt comfortable? That was never an issue for me. I had, you know, I wasn't born and raised here in the States. I was born and raised in Japan where, you know, sexuality is kind of, it's obviously private. You know, we're not having like giant orgies in really train stations in Japan, but sexuality in general is, is a little bit more open from a younger age. And, you know, Japan's one of those countries that like, if you behave like an adult, they treat you like an adult. If you behave like a child, then you can't do a lot of things that the adults do. But, you know, I was reading a lot of kind of, pornographic animated material, you know, before I was even 10, you know, because that was available. And, you know, Japanese television has a lot of nudity in it, especially in the evening. So, you know, kind of like in Europe, 
So because that kind of stuff it looks acceptable and isn't taboo, I didn't think really about the negative aspects of it too much, if that makes sense. Do you think it, Im- it improved and has improved your thoughts on your own body and your body image? Oh, absolutely. I was always a bigger kid. So I was bullied for my size from, gosh, probably second or third grade all the way through 11th grade. And it really wasn't only until I came to the States that I realized that I wasn't as big as people made me out to be. Because, you know, Japan is one of those countries where everybody is fairly short and fairly petite. There are some plus-size women, but it's not the societal norm. In Japan, especially back in the 80s and 90s, and here in the States, you know, people are very appreciative of people of size because, not necessarily in the media, but in public, because everybody's kind of big here. So I wasn't bullied for my size once I moved to the state, but I already had those, like, childhood issues. When people didn't like me, I automatically assumed it was because I was big. And it was really only once I got into performing, because when I worked in mainstream film, I was not in front of the camera, I was behind the camera. When I got into adult and started performing in front of the camera and I started getting the comments, and most of the comments that I got were positive, you know, because they were from that fan base, you know, and so once I started getting fan mail, that's when I realized, oh, okay, it's cool <laughs> to be plus size and people do find me attractive and not only do they find me attractive, but they find me attractive enough to purchase my porn and watch me naked and masturbate to it. And when you realize that, it actually does help your self-esteem because you can shed some of those issues that you had when you were a kid. I'm a big believer in positive reinforcement, not negative reinforcement. So if I do something and people are like, yeah, you did a great job, then I'm like, yes, okay, I should do some more because it makes me happy making other people happy. So the past six years, because this is my sixth year in adult, that cycle has always been fairly positive. And now tell us about your most recent film, Kelly Shabari is Overloaded. <laughs> I found that in plus-size porn, the majority of the plus-size porn that's out there is fairly vanilla. And by vanilla, I mean, you know, they don't do any of the strange and kind of extreme sex acts that you find in mainstream film. There's no anal. There's no group scenes. There's no, you know, bizarre positions like standing on your head. <laughs> so... You know, there's no pile driver, there's no double bash, and there's no, you know, double penetration. And, because first, the understanding is that plus-size women, all they really need to do is have a pretty face and nice skin and just be big. And so guys who are into that kind of woman, they don't need to see anything but a pretty woman who happens to be big having just regular sex. And the secondary thing is it's just general business marketing and profit. It is definitely a micro-niche far as porn is concerned. So if the product isn't making, you know, say for instance you shoot a scene and doesn't make as much money as say a mainstream company shooting a similar scene but with slender performers, then there's no real need or desire to pay those plus size performers more to do additional things, if that makes sense. That seems to be the belief. Although ever since Overloaded came out, I've noticed that some companies have been trying to branch out into doing more extreme things. So I, I obviously am not enough of a diva to claim that I'm the one who started it because, uh, you know, there are plenty of companies like in Europe who've been doing that kind of porn for a while. But it's definitely very nice to see companies branching out and trying to incorporate things like plus-size anal fees because of it. Taylor Shabari's Overloaded was started mainly as, again, as a dare. I think you do a lot of things because of that. <laughs> 
I was watching the Women's World Cup a couple of years ago, and Japan had just suffered the earthquake and tsunami and the nuclear fallout there of Fukushima, and for some reason the Japanese women's soccer team was still winning. And this is after them not being able to practice. They didn't have electricity still, so they were only able to practice like half the time that all the other teams were able to practice in their own country. And as the World Cup started getting closer and closer to the finale and Japan kept getting, you know, winning and winning and winning, I kind of mentioned off offhand that if they won, I should do a fan event, which was something that a couple of other porn stars had done on Twitter but didn't have to carry through or carry out because those teams didn't win. You know, we had a couple of performers, like there's a Dutch performer named Bobby, Bobby Eden who said, oh, if the Dutch win, you know, I'll blow everybody on Twitter. And so she gained, like, a lot of followers before that. And so there were more, like, publicity events that never happened because then the Dutch didn't win. Huh. And in my case, Japan won. And then the fans were like, okay, so when are you going to do the event? <laughs> and I said, well, okay, I am a woman of my word, and so now I have to coordinate doing the shoot. And so I put the call out. We had probably around 200 people who applied. And then I said, no, no, you can't just all show up. You all need to be tested because I've always been a big proponent of STD testing. Mm, of course. And so that kind of, yeah, right? Like, you can't have fun if you're not being safe. You know, if you're constantly worried, oh, is the person I'm having sex with have an STD, then you can't really get completely into having as much fun as possible having sex. So once I put that out, and obviously they have to pay to get tested because I said you have to go through the industry-approved facility as opposed to just a clinic because, you know, I don't know where those people are doing their tests. So that kind of narrowed it down to 18 people. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Which is still a lot of people. That's a lot um, of people. Yeah, I mean, you know, 200 people would have been amazing, and, and going from 200 to 18 is kind of like a huge drop, but when you compare it to, like, when you do a regular team with one, maybe two people, 18 people is a lot of people. We did the shoot, we kind of did it as a live-streamed event, and then somebody mentioned that I should probably turn it into a DVD. Then that turned into, well, if we're going to do a DVD, then just having that isn't probably going to be enough, so maybe we should do some hardcore scenes with some of those fans that I had the best chemistry with. So then we did some additional scenes that were hardcore, which then turned into me doing a lot of my first. It's funny because after five or six years, people go, oh, you must have done everything. And I'm like, well, actually, no, because my niche doesn't do a lot of those kind of fringe things. So the movie has my first anal, my first double badge, my first double penetration, and my first, obviously, my first group scenes and my first Bukaki. So it's kind of like an all-inclusive, if you're a fan of my work, then you can kind of get everything in that one DVD. So Megan Andalou said it was the kind of first feminist Bukaki scene that she has seen. Why do you think that it was a feminist bukkake scene, and why might somebody call it a feminist bukkake scene? Well, when I ran into Megan, and I've known of Megan's work through her work just in general and also through Reed Mahaka, I ran into her at Catalyst Con this past summer in Long Beach, and I handed her the DVD, and I said, you know, this movie just came out, and I know that you do critical reviews of movies sometimes, and I've been getting some decent reviews, and there's a few people who've mentioned that this might be the first feminist Bukaki ever, and she seemed very interested in taking a look at it. And I guess she agreed, <laughs> because she contacted me later and said, oh, I'm going to be doing a screening of your movie at the center. And I said, oh, that's fantastic. 
I'd love to be involved in some sort of way because, you know, if you do a screening and the, pre- the people associated with the film aren't there, it's not quite like a full experience. And it just so happened that this weekend I'm going to be going to the East Coast for the Exotica Conference, which is a fan event. And so the timing just worked out. So I'm actually going to be at Megan Andrews Center to do the Q&A after she does the critical review of Overloaded. Awesome. And they're considering it feminist for a couple of reasons. You know, one, Bukaki in general, for people who don't know what Bukaki filmmaking is, is it's a Japanese porn style where there's a central woman who gets ejaculated on by, by numerous men. And Bukaki in Japan, in Japanese, literally means to be dumped on. So it's basically guys are dumping their ejaculate on the performer's face. And it's definitely something that has always been fairly misogynistic. You know, the guys are treating the girl as a receptacle of sorts and basically, you know, dirtying her up with their ejaculate. And it's something that's never been considered feminist. But the way that I self-produced it and encouraged my fans to be part of it, as opposed to, you know, having regular porn performers and turning it into like a porn shoot, as well as for people who do watch the movie, they, they're like, wow, this is like probably like the most polite Bukaki you've ever seen, because, <laughs> which is kind of like an oxymoron. But for people who do follow me on Twitter and Facebook and, and like the, the varying different social networks that are out there, I've been a big fan of being like the nerdy square girl that does porn. And I've been very public about, you know, if you're a gentleman, then you get the sexiest part of me. If you're a jerk, then you don't get anything sexy about me. Like, I'm not going to interact with you if you're not a gentleman. And so all the guys who showed up were super polite, super friendly, and we all had such a great time. And so when you watch a Bukaki film, you're not supposed to see a lot of laughing (laughs) and a lot of people smiling and having a good time, especially the girls. And in this movie, you actually see a lot of that. And I'm smiling and I'm having a great time. And my interaction with the guys is very positive, as is the hardcore teams afterwards. So because of that, people are like, wow, you actually took control of the situation and you made it your own. And you did this because it made you happy, not because you wanted to be treated like a piece of meat. And I think maybe that's why they're considering it a feminist project. But I'm just glad that people are watching it and enjoying it. Well, we need to be watching this, <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, it's very female empowering when you go, look, you know, sometimes I do want to be super curvy and do things that might be out of the box. And it's not who I am 24-7. Like, I don't go randomly into supermarkets and start grabbing guys and, you know, <laughs> you demanding don't? that they, no, <laughs> and demanding that they come on my face. But there are times when I want to do things that are kind of, you know, consider kinky or curvy. And when I do put out a project like this, it, I think it helps people be okay with that part of themselves, that you don't necessarily always have to be inside the box, that you don't always have to do things in the missionary position, you know, and kind of branching out and doing other things doesn't make you a bad person, it just makes you sexually adventurous, as long as you're being safe. And what are some tips to to stay sex positive and be in a sex positive place because it seems like there's quite a lot of sex negativity out there. So what are some of your ideas on kind of being okay with your sexuality? And, and if you do want to get a little kinky or, you know, whatever, it's not necessarily pervy. What are some of your ideas around like being okay with your own sexuality and what you want? Well, I've always been, you know, if you look at my Twitter bio, I actually says intelligence, even it. 
And it's not because I'm brainy or nerdy. It happens to be a hedonist. It, what I mean by intelligent hedonism is the ability to do your own research before you decide to do something that's considered hedonistic. So, you know, people go, oh, you're a hedonist. That must mean that you do a lot of drugs and you drink a lot and you're just naked and you live on a nudist colony and you just are promiscuous. And, and I'm like, no, I've actually given a lot of thought to the things that I do and the people that I have scenes with and the people that I have sex with in my private life. And even non-sex scenes in general, you'll never see me do, you know, hard drugs because my research and knowing people who have actually used those drugs, it just doesn't appeal to me. So if it doesn't appeal to me or it's inefficient because I have to, you know, it looks like I have to recover for a week afterwards, so I'm having that positive, that maybe perhaps fun, you know, experience, results in a week of you recovering or you becoming an addict or it's negatively impacting you later, to me, that's not hedonism. Like, hedonism is to try to find the positive and the fun in everything you do as much as possible. And if, if I do something and that's going to negatively impact me later, then it's not worth it for me to do, so I don't do them. When it comes to sexuality, it also makes me a little bit more adventurous because it's not, oh, I'll try anything you want. Because I think that can kind of be dangerous if you're not careful. What I believe in is, let me do a little bit of research, and if I do, if after my research it still seems fun, then I'll try it. One. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have an educated decision as to whether it's something that works for me or not. I have friends of mine who do a lot of needle play in their fetish and kink scene. And I said, okay, well that sounds kind of fun, and it could, it does, they don't seem to be having a lot of pain, like they seem to be really enjoying themselves. So I'll try that. So I tried it and I'll never do it again. <laughs> it's just something that doesn't work for me because I have a very low pain threshold. You know, on the other hand, things like Bukaki, I'm like, okay, sounds interesting. Let me do a little bit of research. We watch some scenes. Does it turn me on? And when I watched those scenes, it actually did turn me on. I was like, well, then I want to try that. And I did it and I actually had a lot of fun. I'd love to do it again, but it does take a lot of coordination and pre-planning pre-production work to actually orchestrate that sort of thing. There might be a while before I do it again. Oh, yeah. A lot of testing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you have to, you know, it's kind of like going to a club. You got to, please come in, please show me your test and your ID so they match, make sure that it matches you. You know, so there's a lot of kind of technical stuff that goes in and then trying to coordinate, that, especially for a shoot with cameramen and a location. It can be a little tedious before you can actually have fun. <laughs> wow. So... There are just so many things going on with you. Tell us about what you're looking forward to over the next 6 to 12 months, Kelly. Okay, well, oh, and before I get into that, I, wanna, I, I do want to say, you know, part of being an intelligent hedonist mm -hmm. involves, you know, like, if Bukaki works for me, it doesn't work for everybody. You know, I'm not condoning that everybody start doing that. I'm much more a big fan of telling people, you know, find the things, you know, be adventurous, look around, you know, do some research. You know, the internet is amazing, and you find things that you may not have found turned you on, and you're like, oh, I don't even knew about that, and why? And my feelings, like, that's working for me, you know, and, like, that kind of exploration makes your life a little bit richer and a little bit more interesting. We're definitely down yeah. for, for all kinds of research, you know, and we're there for people. For yeah, I mean, I didn't know that I was, you know, I was into feet until I met somebody, and I was like, you know what, you have really good-looking feet. Can I play with them? And I didn't realize that, and I'm, I'm 40, I just realized that this past year or so. And so now I appreciate why other people like me. They're little things, but you don't realize them unless you actually branch out and try to do some exploration into what makes people tick. 
sexually. As far as the next six to 12 months is concerned, I think 12 months is a little far. <laughs> this month, I'm going to be in New Jersey at the Exotica Expo. It is post-Hurricane Sandy, so I'm not quite sure what the turnout will be like, and I don't know how much damage will be there, but we are going, I am volunteering some time to help collect items for Hurricane Sandy victims at the convention. The following week, I'm going to be at the CPSH, which is Megan Andrews Center, for the screening of Overloaded and Q&A. I am doing a couple of contests online. Uh, we're giving away, you know, we're doing like a big Kelly Shafari month. I guess that's the whole Naked November thing is, hey, celebrate naked people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're giving away tickets to the convention. We're giving away DVDs. Um, there's a couple of other kind of Kelly Shafari branded merchandise that we'll be giving away over the next month. And that kind of handles my performing thing. And part of being a hedonist means I do like 18 different things. So one of the other things I am starting to get into is doing workshops and getting the word out about body image and self-acceptance, not necessarily fat acceptance, because I think that that can be misconstrued or fun in a way that can actually be negative. But I'm a big fan of self-acceptance. Regardless of whether you're fat, short, skinny, tall, hairy, you got like a mole on your face, and celebrating diversity is very big for me. You know, I'm multicultural, I'm bilingual, I'm bicultural, and I'm a big believer in what most people consider normal, especially in the United States, is what white Christian America considers normal. And there's a lot of people out there who aren't. And I think that being a little different is actually more interesting. So that's just me. So I'm actually going to be working on putting together workshops. I'm speaking at Catalyst Con in DC in March, specifically about body image. And I'm also working on a couple of anthologies, specifically for people who are diverse. Wonderful. Well, Kelly, yeah. it, was, it was such a great time talking with you today. And thanks for all your awesome work on promoting positive body image and uh, just being so fabulous. Thank you so much. I, I think that. You know, if anything, you know, obviously I got into this industry because I was just looking for something different to do. And it seems to have been something that people of size, including couples, have found that it's actually very empowering to them and they like having sex with them, like couple approved. So I hope that I continue to help couples feel better about themselves and find ways to communicate their attractiveness to each other. Mm-hmm. Well, you're definitely get lusty approved. Yes, thank you so much. Wonderful. Thanks so much for listening. To learn more about Get Lusty, visit GetLusty.com, follow us on Facebook or Twitter at GetLusty, and have a lusty day.